All right, everybody, what's up? Welcome to epi number three of the after show presented by Poster Poster. It's great to have you here with us again. We're kind of edging towards the middle of summer, and uh, it's been so good the last couple weeks for you guys joining us and listening. This is basically a show just to follow up our Sunday teaching and themes. Just talking about it with some really fine people around the horn. We have Sergeant Nicole, obviously Kevin and Kathy, and Kendra. How's everybody doing? You guys doing all right? Good. Good to see you. Good. And we just had a great talk off air. Wish you could have heard it. We should do like a Patreon. (laughs) We should do a Patreon account and get people to pay to hear what we were just talking about. It was fantastic, (laughs) but it was totally off the record. So sorry about that one. It's good uh, to be back together. I really feel like these are like the back deck moments. I was thinking today. Um, I would, if I was a part of a community, I would listen to this. Like I would listen to this because I think you glean some stuff. The church should be the work of the people if you're with me. And so I'm just appreciative of you guys and just, uh, hearing from you all. Well, I guess we got to, the first thing we've got to do is we, we've already acknowledged our sponsor. Somehow we ended up with the sponsor, um, as well as Geico. No, um, but we also have, Okay, so I was thinking, Kendra, um, your story last week about homeschooling and reading <laughs> words. You're reading words. Remember, remember talking about reading words, but not necessarily knowing how oh, to say yes. them. You remember? Yes. Am I all right to bring yeah. this up? Is this? Oh yeah. Am I uncovering? Okay, we're good. All right. So I was I'm thinking. Nothing if nothing if not self-deprecating. So it's okay. Okay, nice. <laughs> so I was thinking, um, you know, when I was reading Harry Potter, here's a Harry Potter reference. Ding! We should have a Harry Potter reference every episode. Um, <laughs> with Hermione, I didn't because I just started reading. I did not know that that was her, you know, I did, like, when you first read Hermione, I forget what in my head I was thinking it was, but it definitely was not Hermione. You follow me? It's not Hermione. Is it Hermione? It's Hermione. It's Hermione. (laughs) What? So. (laughs) But that's like, that's the English accent in it. So tell me what, oh my gosh. It's an English book though. It's Hermione. Is it not Hermione? No, it's an English book. Thank See, you. I read the books before I watch the movies. Please, okay, so say it again. Hermione. Hermione. Okay, so either way, I was <laughs> reading this book, and I was like, I forget the word in my head of what I th- was thinking it was, and now we have philodandrin. Is this Phil in the back? So how do you say Hermione's name? Hermione. Hermione? Yes. Hermione. Are you kidding me? I'm... I'm th- four books deep, three movies I've watched, and it's Hermione. Hermione. I'm really sad. Are, do all your kids say it wrong too? Yeah, I would imagine they do because oh, I think no. this is. Oh no! Do you want me to? It's, they're they're sleeping right now. Do you want me to wake them up and? <laughs> I, I need you to tell them before they. I tell legit want to pull <laughs> Ava out of her bed, and like in her pajamas. Her? Yeah. Hermione. She probably knows that. I thought it was Hermione. Anyways, it's all good. How's uh, how's Phil doing? If it makes you feel any better, I was exactly 20 when I realized it was pronounced potpourri rather than potpourri. Okay, so there's a good... (laughs) (laughs) There's like a few... Yeah. So nobody nobody said that around you to kind of correct what you read as potpourri? No, that's all right. My mom wasn't a big potpourri person. Like I did grow up in the 90s, but I just, I guess didn't have that in my life it's all yeah. good it it's is good. good and phil is doing well he's got um two shoots nice nice which i'm very proud of actually 
the second the second shoot i'm pretty sure just started growing like in the last like this year so sweet no sharpie it's okay no sharpie but we're not yet i really gotta do that we're glad he's growing and it's philodandron right he's starting to curl back up though like perfect can you see like this by the time we're done, that whole thing will be like uh, the 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 outfield in Wrigley Field. Just the, the whole your, your whole backyard, out. the whole backdrop <laughs> is just going to be that. Yeah. Do they normally do that? Because I was wondering, like, at some point, am I going to have to trim this poor guy? Because he's like maybe a, a foot and a half from the floor. When did you yeah, get him? It's going to keep growing. You're going to have to cut it down. So you just trim him. You just trim him. Yeah. Well, not not this summer. Let let him grow, and we'll watch it. Just let grow, turn, turn turn it grow. in the different direction and it can go up. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, do you want him on the ground? Because you could probably just twist him up a little bit so he can grow back up again, and then you twist yeah, him exactly. back up again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say, this I say, that's what we do. This is my first one, guys. This is why we needed to talk about and, it. And we're all in this together. Here's a question for you: Is um is is reading an audiobook like reading audiobooks? Does that go on the list for books read? Hundred percent. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, oh, we've got a naysayer, right? I, I'm does only it? saying yes enthusiastically because I read my first audiobook the other day. I like how you <laughs> preface yeah. that you read your first audiobook too. It's good. <laughs> but you didn't read it. Reddit. See, this is this is the tension. Yeah, well, <laughs> when, when, that's when you read. When you read. You're hearing it in your head. It's the same thing. I'm not oh. reading out loud all the books I read. I think Kendra's. That's what I'm claiming. I think Kendra's skeptical, but um, I for the summer, I've I've ju- jumped back in, and I just feel like you know when we get back to our social gatherings, I'll be able to tell people you know in the summer of 2020, I read 20 books, but probably 10, 10 of them because I run every day for like 35, 40 minutes. So I'm just crushing some audiobooks right now, and I got thinking on my run today, is this le- like is this legit? You you don't think so though, Kendra. Well, you could say that you listen to those books. Yeah, but that's not. But it's sound... not the equivalent, though. Like, yeah. if you're doing, if you're, you like, at the end of the year, you wouldn't be like, oh, like I read so many such books, you wouldn't count it. Like, I don't want to say 100 percent because I'm just thinking about this now for the first time. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, so I, I could knew, be swayed. I knew this like, would spur on, spur on some but sort I of. I feel like reading is like optic nerve imagination, like. Oh, you can still have an imagination when For you're sure. listening to audio. I know, but like, there's, it's a, the, doesn't reading have to do with the like medium of it? See, this is this is. Kind I guess of... not though, because you can read in like Braille and stuff, right? <laughs> See, yeah, I, 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 I knew that. Yeah, yeah, the picture in your head is still the same, right? Whether you're yeah. listening to it or whether you're actually reading it. So, so I would think it would be the same whether it's your voice or whether it's someone else's voice speaking it to you, that you're kind of um, assimilating the information in the same way, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I only do audiobooks, actually. Oh. Yeah. I'm like an avid audio, like London Public Library is oh, yeah. my jam. So, my do, jam. Do you, so to get that, do you use Hoopla? Is that what you use, Hoopla? Uh, no. no, I use, um, what is it? Oh, you okay. can, yeah. uh, What is it? Libby. 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 Well, right. Libby, yeah. So Serge has, he has my account on Libby, and then I have the old one, Overdrive, I think it is. Overdrive, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, I have but Overdrive. you can do Hoopla as well. You can do Hoopla, yeah. So I've heard of Hoopla now, too. So that well, involves... Hoopla's movies and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get Overdrive or Libby or whatever, Hoopla 2, and then it goes to your device, and you you rent it for a certain amount of time, and then it goes away. Yeah, just like you would get at a library book. Interesting. Yeah. 
Interesting. You have yeah. food for 21 days and I like, cause if, especially if there's like Michelle Obama's book or like, you know, like yep. some of the books that I really, really like. I mean, I'm like number 156 or Good something for you. like that in line yeah. for the book, but Oh, oh, in line for the book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them you're like, yeah, you're going to be forever waiting for like the Harry Potter series. Oh my yeah. gosh. I waited forever for all of those ones. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, a, it's a crazy concept. It's so is there only one per library? Say again. Is there one per library? No, you get up no. to like 12 books or something like that. Like you can put up to 20 and hold. No, I mean like of access to it from all of London. How many people? You Audiobooks have less, um, you can have less audiobooks because you buy, essentially you buy the right to have it for a certain amount of time. But it's not so, one per city or one per library. No, no. Yeah. It's how many the library buys. But for example, the library could have 50 copies of one book if it's really popular, but really only like three audiobooks. Or okay, okay. It's, it's essentially just like buying like, I don't know, 10 books and then yeah. distributing them to like, various libraries and then having people rent them same thing as real books got it got it well yep. i may you know i've been just i just reactivated my audible account and i knew this was very pressing because i got thinking can i add these to my list i think i think i will and not tell anybody yeah 100 percent yeah, but there's yeah. I was like, this is the only way, man. This is it's, uh, my, <laughs> but what you my, what you got to do is you got to speed up the audio too. Oh, okay, yeah. so yeah. Those yeah. even quicker. Yeah. Here, oh my god! Here is my commitment <laughs> though. Yes. Here is my Kevin. commitment because I'm buying them. I'm only buying books that the actual author is narrating. Um, you know, like is uh, I've tried that. Uh, we'll see. That I like it like that. It's an it's an interesting concept as far as like buying these books because obviously when you're done with them, you can't really like pass them on and stuff, but interesting concept. But I think I'll add, oh, the narrating part, sorry. The narrating part is I like it when the author themselves writes the book and uh, or read or uh, like speaks it instead of like, I, I had a Bonhoeffer, um, I had a Bonhoeffer bio once and it, like, it was like some like very lethargic <laughs> voice and I was like, I can't do this, so. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, we'll maybe you know we'll we'll have this settled by the end of the summer. But for now, the audiobooks are going on the list. All right. Let's do this. Let's take a couple minutes. Let's talk about uh, the theme that we've been jumping into. So uh, on Sunday was the first of five different principles or practices that Barna and these guys in this book called Faith for Exiles have really highlighted and drilled down on. These are the things that resilient disciples are practicing. These are the things that. Are, are happening. These are the, the kind of through our polling and some of the data that Barn has done. This is what it is. And so it was just interesting. The first thing that they found was what makes a resilient disciple is having a resilient identity in Jesus. So understanding your identity in Jesus and intimacy with God or intimacy with Jesus, however you want to say it. And uh, just would love to hear some feedback just on what you guys think. It's just interesting. You know, we got into it last week just about identity. Maybe maybe let's do this. Let's start. Let, let's talk about kind of the brand, the Jesus brand experience compared to identity in Jesus. You know, we talked about that a little last week. Um, did that stand out at all? I, I know we got going again last week on this a little bit. Do you think, um, you know, as far as the church and what it's producing as far as disciples, sometimes the Jesus brand experience is kind of something we see more than like a resilient identity in Jesus? What do you think? That makes sense? I think that it's like the predominant 
I would say style of church or style of evangelicalism, if okay. I can say that. Yeah. Um, in North America, at least. But I also would say that in the last ten years. I maybe can't speak to the last 10 years that much because that's like my no, whole you can. adult life. No, you can. <laughs> so I like don't super know what it was like. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like in the last 10 years, we've seen a little bit more of a shift away from that. Like people yeah. have seen that and seen maybe that there is a lack of, um, you know, authenticity to that mm-hmm. and then started some more subversive kind of. Um, churches. I think that's why we've seen a, more of a shift toward liturgy and mm-hmm. some of the more like ancient texts uh, because people are looking for a little something a bit more rooted and brand Jesus is like all in your face and it's um I mean I love brand that's what I do for a living it's yeah. great and I like love a good brand but it doesn't belong in the same way as in community I think especially in the church yeah so good. Asked? I can't, I can't, I can't, arti- like that is so well said. I think I agree with you in most cases. I think in most cases, it'd be here interesting to hear from everybody else. I do agree that the more people that are pressing into uh, a more liturgical vision of community and church, I find I'm f- these people, I'm finding these people everywhere, especially with the vision of practicing the way of Jesus. People will often reach out to me and say, hey, like I've been sensing and feeling this and there's that commonality of like the last 10 or 15 years have left, were good, but have kind of left me empty. I've realized now mm-hmm. and this kind of a different experience, I, I can't, I think that's very well articulated. I think there is a longing in um and a shift in people what do you think what do you guys think and even what we talked about last week maybe developing it more like do we need to be careful kind of the jesus brand experience you know the industrial complex even that we sometimes see in the church and and what that leaves in comparison to identity yeah i think there's something to be said about um certain things that the church does that's i think really lacks depth and um, you know, for for example, for example, um, when you talk about blessings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, there's a, you know, recently, especially on social media, there's uh, this thing about you know, I, I, I'm blessed or I feel blessed or the whole <laughs> idea of being blessed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? What does that really mean, right? Uh, it's uh, being like super comfortable and you know, having money and traveling to nice places. Is that really being blessed? Um, you know, that's kind of the brand that, um, that people have taken or young Christians have taken. Um, and yeah, so I think there, we need to be careful with that kind of stuff. Um, what happens when, you know, difficulty, uh, difficult times come around, you know, are we still blessed then? Um, I think that's where maybe the pivoting towards a resilient, uh, Christian, can come in right um i'm blessed despite my circumstances mm. so that's where i think i you know i would make the distinction yep yeah i agree and well what do you think karina's do you think they're the other side it's just interesting as you get older i know we're not that old but um 
the, the well, I didn't even know this when we were kind of getting some voices together that we all have grown up in the church. So we've seen some stuff along the way. Uh, good things, maybe not so good things, um, depending on, you know, your experience. But just with the brand stuff, do you feel like you kind of grow up a bit? You know what I'm saying? You mature. Like the one thing I know about this this group is like there's a maturing in this group just in the way of Jesus, just knowing you guys as friends and stuff. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think that sometimes people have good motives and they're trying to sell you Jesus and they're trying yeah. to talk about all the good things, right? Or not even just all the good things, but um, it just doesn't go very deep, right? Because when mm-hmm. you're just doing a pitch. Um, but I think there's, oh, I don't want to say there's a place for brand Jesus. It's, that's not what I'm trying to say. No, no. But I think there was a time in my life where I wanted... Um, I came from a different church, a Hispanic church that was very, the congregation was a lot older and maybe we'll talk about this later in other chapters. Um, But I was looking for that youth group experience where um, Jesus was really flashy. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of took that initiative on myself and looking back, I really, I'm kind of proud of that in the sense that like I could have just left the church like a lot of people in my older church did at my age, but I kind of went looking for that um, Jesus experience um somewhere else and then at at that later on as i grew up and as i matured that wasn't enough because i wanted something deeper and i'm glad that i kind of stayed the course and but let's talk about that that. yeah let's talk about that Mm -hmm. because i we've often uh talking and even i think about my own kids thinking about kids and youth culture in the church there's i i when you say i don't want you know however you preface there like i don't want to say like there is room um, it's interesting in different seasons what that looks like because uh, even um, Kevin Kathy were part of our youth community way back in the day. And it wasn't like, as I look back, there was like, it was like a semi revival. Like, seriously, I don't, and I don't, you guys all know, I don't use that word. I don't fly that word around, but, uh, and I don't use it lightly. But there was this like moment for a few years where um, kids from, especially a lot of kids from very broken homes and, and, you know, just different backgrounds were coming. And it was, it was awesome. So I think you bring up something good in the sense of like wrestling through the room for that without making it the main thing, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not making a question or that that's a statement, but I don't think you can all throw it all out. Yeah, no, like, I mean, I think there, I, I think there is a bit of a place for that. Um, I think it can't stop there. And I think that's the beginning of it. And I think Serge hit the nail on the head. Like, I think there's just a lack of depth when it comes to a lot of, a lot of our discipleship. And I think we've become such a, a hashtag culture kind of in, in the church where, you know, we we joke about it and, and gather to scatter. But um, <laughs> preface what gather to scatter is. Are we allowed to say what gather to scatter is? Well, if you want, you just you just throw it out there now. So go go ahead, Kev. Tell everybody what gather to scatter is. Oh, it's a it's a Instagram group with uh, Drew and myself and Drew's brother Mike, and we just uh, show it. We just send each other funny clips and things like that, and and talk about. The Don't you love that name, things. Gather to Scatter? It's so, <laughs> so two thousands. I love it. Um, no, but I mean, there's a lot of times like I find when I was younger, I think there was a time and a place where that, I don't know, it was more of an emotional um, experience, whereas it kind of stopped there. And I think you need to get that bit of a draw when you're when you're younger. Even as a first time Christian, I think there's a way to 
you should go into those moments being like, this was awesome. I want more and, and not just being like, oh, I just need, just give me more. Just, I'll only have that. Like, I want to learn more. I want to be in depth. I want to go through all that. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of times and, I, you know, we could, again, we could talk about this forever, but there's a lot of times where we, these mature, these people that are mature Christians and then you, you ask them that the blessed is, is in a perfect example and, and you listen to a message and, you know, every five seconds people are saying amen or they're saying, you know, that that's good and that kind of thing. And then you really ask them, be like, well, what did they say? Or what does that even mean? And they don't even know. The like, Instagram I mean, we, account. We joked about, we what joked about that, that even last mean? week. Like, what does that even mean? You know, like. And I think we talked about, Kathy and I kind of talked about last, last week, we were listening to some worship music, they were just talking about, you know, by being blessed or blessing. And it was just kind of like, what exactly does that mean? Um, so that's where I'm talking about like that, that lack of depth where for me, that isn't good enough for me anymore. I need to know more. Like I just want to, to, to grow even more. I actually, um, so for us, that's kind of a perfect example as well for actually what happened to us when we moved from the U.S. to Canada. Um, because when we were going through that transition, I, I really felt a calling to Canada. I really felt like God was just really calling our family to Canada. I couldn't understand it either because we were so comfortable in Tennessee, um, you know, and living in the Bible Belt. Your workplace is Christian. You know, the church we go to, we, go, go, we, we attended a mega church. It was such a great church. It was, you know kind of the most perfect Christian environment that any Christian would ever want. But I, like you said, Kevin, like was longing for something more. Mm. For me, especially, I felt like there was something else that God was calling us to that I couldn't understand what it was. Um, and I know like we, you know, we were at the same church the whole time we were living in Tennessee, but, you know, we were like, they're so well organized. They run like such a well-oiled machine. They were like, they don't need us. Like even to volunteer, we were hesitant to volunteer because we were like, they have so many ushers. They have, you know, they really have everything they need. Like we're, you know, we, you know, I, I, I struggle, at least personally, I struggle to, to really be like, well, how, how do I serve here? Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things that I actually, you know, when, when, when we uh, finally sort of made the decision to move to Canada and things were kind of looking in the direction I said to God, I want this to be um, an opportunity for you to challenge us as a Christian mm-hmm. family. Like this for me, I want this to be a turning point. Um, you know, I had kind of gotten to that place of like, you know, when Christianity just becomes like a, like habitual, like a habit, there's no, like you said, no depth to it. No, I don't know, no stirring, no moving. Something is missing there um, mm-hmm. that I felt in our, in our lives. And that way, you know, you, you're praying, your devotions, you're, you know, you kind of do everything that you're supposed to do. But I just felt like there wasn't a challenge almost of some sort. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think for us moving to Canada, that was exactly it. And it was kind of funny because, you know, we ended up at Royal View. And then yeah. just, what, two, three months later after we got there, Drew announced in our little home church, we're <laughs> starting a church. And, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, you know, the path that God had taken us on in that way, like, you know, you know, um, uh, started, you know, kind of moving in that way with Drew and Heather and, you know, with our little community and starting um, at the term, at the time at uh, City View was, I realized that was what God had almost called us to be, to challenge us in our faith and mm-hmm. to cha- like, to make us a little bit uncomfortable in our Christian walk. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes we're not meant to be comfortable, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, oh. because we continually need to be building resilience almost. And we need a challenge. We need to kind of yeah. go through the fire sometimes to get yeah. there. No, so good. Um, 
you know, uh, just so, so good. And I, and I, the classic with that is, is, um, any form of growth takes resistance, you know? So like when you're working out, you need resistance for a certain level of, and I, I think that applies. I do think uh, like the, the, the way of Jesus is always beckoning and there is, there is resistance that leads to growth in that for sure. You know, it's interesting in our context, we don't have a youth pastor. We don't have a kid's pastor. We're a smaller community in that sense. Um, primarily a millennial community that are now having kids. Though, uh, Serge, you may be, um, uh, is it Gen Z, the one before? Just uh, I think 38 is the end of millennials. So you're, you, you just missed all Definitely of us. Definitely not millennials. But, um, okay. uh, <laughs> but you, know, you know, we're in a context, and I, even Heather and I have talked, like it's, it's interesting how, you know, even for our own kids, we want them to have these vital experiences in the church um, and, and beautiful experiences in some of the things even we've experienced over the years. But also on the other side now, as we've grown into adulthood, want it to be real. We saw a lot of people walk away because there were things, you know, that I, Kath, your example is really great because like some of those moments for me were really shaping in my life as a 10 year old and a 12 year old. And even some of the things, I don't know, sensory wise that I felt an experience mm-hmm. in the Pentecostal church or at youth camps and all that. So we're trying right now to build both of those things, making sure our kids, like I want my kids to have certain experiences, but I also know when they come back from those things and we sit around the dinner table, that there's a reality that you're going to go to college probably, or you're going to grow up. You're going to have a job and a vocation. You're going to have your own kids probably. And there's no pressure on that, but you may have your own kids at some point and you're going to grow up and this thing is long and it's hard and there's actually different practices that actually take you further. So I don't think it's necessarily throwing one uh, one out for the other. It's just interesting, again, that this is the first thing they drill down on as far as the practice of people who are resilient from data, like from things that they've seen. Building your identity and intimacy. Go. Yeah. What do you think? I think something that's really telling is that um, when people leave the church, but they want their kids to have an experience of church and maybe just not their kids, like their kids as young children, but also as teens, because clearly there was something impacting. And I mean, maybe that just goes back to like, they think that the church just teaches morals, but it's, there was something about it that they want for their kids, even if they don't want it for themselves anymore, or they feel like they've moved past that. Um, So yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was very formative for me. For sure. For sure. And if you think too, like at that time you're, you are forming your identity quite a bit and you're trying to decide all these things. And I think that we are brand saturated, but they are the most vulnerable group to uh, be attracted to different brands and to sort of find which brand sort of speaks to them the most and kind of that kind of thing. And so I don't think that, I don't think it's super dangerous. Like, I don't think it's really that bad that there's a brand of the church that some, that teenagers might be attracted to. Mm-hmm. It's whether the environment there can actually, like Kevin said, ask deeper questions and go one step further and actually care about the individual and, you know, make it a really good environment. As long as it goes beneath the brand, you know? Yeah, for sure. And sustainability, like the sustaining that. And that's, again, I think echoes kind of, you know, as somebody who has kids in the church, wanting both, you know, both those things for good experiences, because I think that's part of all of our lives. 
And then as well, um, just making sure like formation probably wasn't at the forefront. Spiritual formation wasn't necessarily as something at the forefront for a lot of generations that have, you know, you know, for a lot of people, um, it's, it's easy for things to be built on emotion. And so I think if you can have both those things, because as humans, we're emotional. We need, I I think we need a certain level of human emotion, obviously, but, um, yeah, just the branding side is interesting. Um, you're listening by the way, to the after show with some good friends here presented by poster poster. So here's a great example uh, like of the church. Here's just here. Here's an example of the, here is an example of church and brand. So I had a friend who moved, and this is just to kind of recap what we've been talking about, but I had a friend move to a new city and he was told by a guy, a pastor dude, hey, listen, you need to go to this church because it's like uh, it was being planted out of a really kind of hot and moving um, church planting organization here in Canada. And so it was like, you need to go here. And this pastor was basically saying to him, you've moved to this new city and you need to go to this church because they have a big vision. And so my friend was like, okay, cool. And he just thought it was interesting, just the idea of being told that this guy in this church, this new church has a big vision. And so he went and he said, listen, like it was, it was great. It was a, you know, a pretty good experience, obviously a new church or whatever, but he said, it's funny just around the idea of big vision, because basically he said, what they did is what every other church did. They had music, they had teaching that somebody taught. They pushed people to small groups pretty much like every other church did. And he just came away from that experience going, it was so funny because basically that church was doing the same thing as all these other churches, whether they were a year old or a hundred years old, he kind of felt like it was the same thing. I and his, his kind of, his thought to me was, I don't get the idea of big vision because he said the same churches all around have kind of the same vision. And he just thought, I just got me thinking kind of about the brand experience because I think it's easy, you know, maybe that church did it better. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the music, he said the music was great, or maybe the pastor dude is wearing skinny jeans, which I am all for. That's the only ones that I can wear, but I think we do need to be careful. Oh, I'm getting Facebook messages. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, You know, I I just get thinking about the whole, like, obviously the brand, kind of the Jesus brand experience versus identity in Jesus on a personal level. But on a church level, I think we need to be careful as well, because that was just an experience to me to go. We need to be careful to make things seem like they're better than what they really are. And I think I forget who it was said, you know, I, I forget which theologian said just talked about the idol of vision. I think his idea was that God hates visionary leadership was his idea. And obviously it's hyperbole. We have a vision, we have a brand, we have a logo as a church, but the idea is, is to fall so in love with your particular brand that you're missing the whole point. And that experience with that friend who with the pastor dude said, Hey, you need to go here because they have an amazing vision. It was just interesting to hear him come away and go, all the churches pretty well have the same vision and that's going to be fleshed out in different ways. Some churches may have good music. Others may not. It, it is what it is. Uh, it just gets me thinking just about this particular dialogue and just the reality that the first thing these guys drill down on and saying that's the most important resilient disciples is identity. And then the second thing I just want to talk about for these next few minutes is communion with God. 
so funny, eh? Like of all the things sometimes we can put our attention to, really the thing that Resilient Disciples are doing is they're cultivating in community and then beyond intimacy with God. What do you think? Did that stand out? What, what, is it, what do you think it says to kind of our moment right now and all that we've talked about? Well, uh, how do you define communion with God? Um, oh, you know, and the first thing to me that comes to mind is being in a relationship uh, with Him, mm-hmm. and that can manifest itself in different ways. Um, you know, prayer, um, whether it's devotionals or just speaking with God constantly, or uh, being in community. Um, Community, communion. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I think that it's, um, you know, it's 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 a central part of our Christian faith is to be able to uh, to have that communion. Um, otherwise, things remain shallow. I think you know we talked a lot about depth here, um, or the lack of depth, but. If we are in communion, we're, I guess, better. Um, we're in a better position to experience God. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So uh, we, people question worship as a lifestyle, not just an event. Prodigals were like 20%, but it seemed like resilient disciples were 91% in responding to that or reading the Bible because we feel closer to God. Again, high percentages. And then when it got down to talking with Jesus, I recognize that I spend time with Jesus, 87%. Jesus speaks to me in a way that is relevant to my life, 83% and so forth. So it just it's interesting that amongst all the brand identity from the, the kind of the evangelical complex over the years, and again, as we've talked, it's not all bad. Um, this idea of intimacy with God is, is, is the thing that's at the center. Um, be interesting, I you think, know. Yeah, go for it. Go no, no, go, Kendra. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I was just thinking when I first read it, um, when I first read the term resilient disciple, it reminded me of something from my degree, which surprisingly is in child and youth studies. Whoa, I did not know that. Who knew? And here I was you are. teacher, because that's all I knew. <laughs> you know, life changes. <laughs> So anyway, so yeah, but did uh, you know Hermione? How do you say it? <laughs> Hermione. Hermione is it's actually Hermione and not Hermione because if you did, you're way ahead. But anyways, continue. I feel a lot better because I made a fool of myself in university many times, fresh off the homeschool boat. But anyway, um, they use the term resilient as an identifier, like an indicator um, of children, oh. and there is it's fairly researched. But it's really hard to grow someone into resiliency as a kid. They would find, they would research kids who have been through many difficult situations, but there was nothing that sort of was like, this is what makes a resilient kid, this is what doesn't. In the research, you either were or you weren't. Mm -hmm. You were kind of born that way. It was a temperament thing. But I think the difference here is that we say resilient disciples, but I think what we're talking about is more like a resilient relationship. Mm-hmm. So like in terms of humans, like what makes a resilient relationship seem to be a little bit more of the indicators that he's talking about here. Yeah. And so then 
we say resilient disciple, it's kind of like a resilient relationship with Christ, like what makes a resilient relationship. And so communion would, of course, be Dude. central to that. What you need to do is you need to take your headphones right now and you need you to, can't you hear to me. You, you need no, drop. you need to drop them because you just dropped the mic. <laughs> that was incredible. I totally misunderstood. <laughs> no. See, I would turn I like, it. You could, didn't just, hear any of it. No, I, we got it all, and it was really good. It was really good. Oh, man. I like then that. Then I floundered it. No. Does that make sense, though? Yeah. Yeah. So good, Kendra. Thank you for sharing that. So good. Um, prayer. Obviously, this is the way. This is the way that this is kind of done. I mean, obviously there's more than just prayer, but like when we talk about foundational communication and life with God, um, this is it, prayer. And I've just been really convicted. One, I shared my own story of the last few years, (laughs) just feeling like, am I like putting it on here? (laughs) Um, Just being brutally honest. And then kind of stumbling into fixed hours and how that was really interesting as a charismatic kid growing up in the church where prayer was like fire and it was good. And like, you know, was it? we are people was it on. Good? Yeah, it was, you know, like I think in these discussions, like the one thing, even the talk about like the, um, the Jesus brand, I, I it's so good to be in a position where you look because I, I love how you joke. Was it? But like, I, I think I can look back and go, yeah, there were some really good things about that. But I, again, on this side had felt maybe like I've been left a little, it's my own doing left a little empty here until I walked into fixed hours. And then it's, it's still been a struggle, but now it's like, okay, at least there's some sort of rhythm. What are your guys thoughts on prayer? Especially now as we get older and here we are and we've been around for a while. Anything stand out maybe about fixed hours? Um, I'm not, and certainly this is not to say that everybody has to do that, but how has that been for you guys? Let me throw it over to you. Um, I have a question about fixed hour prayer. So yeah. is it just like a reminder three times a day and or do you, um, and you just like pray or do you read prayers? Yeah, like read prayers. Yeah. So you read prayers. Yeah, sorry. I maybe should have uh, made, made that more clear. Yeah, the, so through an app, there are liturgies from Common Prayer. There's a guy named Shane Claiborne who many people have heard. He has put it together, but they've just stolen prayers from the church mothers and fathers. Um, uh, yeah, that they put in the app. So morning, yeah. midday, and evening. And so for one, I uh, well, we can talk about this. I think we need to really stop being afraid of scripted prayers because um, I actually think it's a thing that for those of us that grew up charismatic, we never heard nothing of this stuff, but oh. it's so important. You so have to make your own stuff as uh, you went along. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my oh gosh. gosh. That's why I'm saying it. It had to be fast. Okay, it had to be fast. Traumatized. I'm still traumatized. Okay, we're gonna. People say popcorn prayer, and you see see me leave the room. room. (laughs) Like I am. I'm doing this right now. I will not participate in popcorn prayer. So Heather is over here, and she she can't hear what you're saying, but she would totally uh, just jive with that right now. That some of the trauma of that. Hey, popcorn prayer, Heather. Oh my gosh, she said. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What do you say? (laughs) <laughs> popcorn tongues she said well that's okay. it's a whole nother that's my experience yeah, yeah. that is what turned me completely like it was it was youth camp i was a leader oh. and it was like everyone's praying in tongues yeah. now go i was like ah yeah yeah my oh, kid my has God. to go to the bathroom right <laughs> now <laughs> did you guys go through the experience of falling over 
Yes, we're going there. I love this. She's like, we feel compelled. Uh, should I oh follow her? Is this the point where I follow her? <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's definitely moments up at the altar where you're kind of looking around and being like, I hope I'm not the only one that hasn't fallen. Okay, I think we should explain this. This is a kind of costal. We should explain this for listeners. Kendra's like, what the? What, what? Exactly. No, no. Been there. Okay, okay. Been there. Oh, yeah, been there. You know how I got through popcorn prayer? So, you know, again, as a teenager growing up in, in, in evangelical sort of Pentecostal, copy your parents. So <laughs> yeah. I would just copy the things my parents would say in prayer. You kind of just are able to kind of pull up on that. So when you do your popcorn prayer thing and you don't know what to say, you just go back to, oh, mom said this this morning in her prayer when yeah. I heard her. During her yeah. Yeah. And you kind of capture those little ones. And yeah, I know for me, that's, that's what true. I did. That's how I survived my teenage <laughs> years in evangelical anxiety. anxiety. It's so great. <laughs> But think about it, like prayer should not cause anxiety. Yes. And it does for me. And Kevin always like gets upset because I won't pray aloud. I'm like, no, it's personal. And it's like, well, no, I should be able to do this. But reading prayers, that's game changers. And that's what we do. Well, like we're, we do more of the song. Well, that's what we do at Praxis. That's why we do that. Um, I can't yeah. tell you how many people have said, wow, like, thank you at the end of the gathering. <laughs> Because, uh, and this is not a judgment thing, but for some of those scripted prayers that we do at the end, that's the first time out loud in the week people, and that this is not a judgment thing, but help, I think one of the things the church wants to do is help people. So that's why we do these scripted things at the, at the end, sending us out in the world, a common collective prayer. Um, by the way, and I don't know if you, you caught this in the, in the teaching, this was nothing to do with the book, but I, I was blown away actually. Greek to English, you know, when we hear about the, the New Testament church, um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to all these things, and you're like, yeah, 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 Pentecost, Pentecost. The better translation from Greek to English is the prayers, the prayers. We lose some things, obviously, in English, just the way language works, and that is because they probably had, I, we, and we don't know this for sure, but I think they had common prayers. And other people would say the translation of that would say the prayers. Wait, what? Not prayer, but the prayers. Interesting. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're running run out of time. But so is there a balance, do you think? Because it's, it's interesting. I, so I share my fixed hour prayer, and I think people are starting to jive with that a bit. They're discovering it not just through what we're doing at practice, but they hear other people talking about the daily office, this three times a day, these rhythms. Maybe actual maybe scheduling is a good thing and, and better compared to my classic, and this was Drew Fess, um, spontaneous, I'm praying at all times. Yeah, my, my famous, famous thing was, I'm like Paul. I pray without ceasing. And that was just <laughs> BS, um, you know, for I don't pray at all. But is there a balance between some of the things we've joked about, you know, about faith and allegiance and being together with the church and praying and what we've talked about here? Because I think there is a bit of a balance. That's why I don't want to necessarily throw everything out, you know, from the past. What's the balance there, do you think, as far as communion and intimacy when the church gets together? I don't know. What do you think? I was saying to Nicole, I think sometime this week, that I have a lot of respect for Muslims, and I always have, because mm. um, one of the things they do really well and religiously is um, that they pray multiple times. So we've had some Muslim friends come through our house and uh, even for a visit, for instance, and yep. they would ask for a room uh, where they can go and pray for five minutes. Crazy. Um, and they do this uh, three, four, five times a day. 
and it's really impressive to me just their dedication and uh, well i think that uh, you know would i do that myself um, probably not um you know i think some of that might be a bit extreme but i still have you know a lot of respect for that because you know in the busyness of our lives we tend not to pray at all uh, i speak for myself uh at times so just uh yeah finding that balance i think is 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 important it's key um and for for it might be different for a busy family um it might be different for somebody that might have a little bit more time um you, you know it but it might be different for i don't know for a couple it's different from person to person i think yeah do you guys do grace like at dinner time? Like yeah. before dinner? Like before dinner? Mm-hmm. Do you do grace? Yeah, that was kind of a weird No, question, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I like forgot grace along the way, I guess. Like I just yeah. stopped doing it. But somehow I want to say around early in pandemic, I like brought back grace, whether cool. I'm just like by myself here in tiny apartment or if I'm with someone else. It could be COVID just because, you know, times seem maybe a bit more scarce and whatever, but I've really liked Grace lately. Awesome. That's all. I think, and I think actually <laughs> fixed, fixed things can be embedded in some of those type of rhythms. The Shema, when you leave the, you know, so the Shema was this great prayer of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one, love the Lord your God with the words. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was like when you leave the door, when you walk the path, when you uh, sit down to eat, you know, like th- these were kind of the, in the oral, uh, I think oral kind of passings on that the Jewish community had kind of picked up on this. When you lay your kids to bed, um, this Shema was said, love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, um, and I do, even Daniel, again, we said he turned to Jerusalem. This is what got him in trouble. I think it's, you know, turning, turning towards Jerusalem and doing actually what the Muslim community did, but to Yahweh. And I've said, I actually said a few years ago, and it, you know, it didn't, I, not that there was any pushback, but I said, man, I got some mad props for our Muslim friends because they're putting me to shame as a pastor guy. This is, this is free therapy right here for me just to say like, uh, I'm, I'm a grow, I'm growing in this process of realizing, uh, wow, like maybe those fixed hours. I think um, as a charismatic um, in the best sense kind of community, because that's what we want to be is in, engaging these two things together. You want people to be comfortable in, in, in the best sense and not out of place when it comes to prayer and prayer gatherings and whatnot. What if we could bring that together with fixed hour? I think, again, I think one of the things you realize with the whole youth culture, a Jesus brand experience thing, all the way down to prayer, it's um, taking the best of, of, of what we have. And I think um, fixed hour has been has been helpful for some of us and not something that everybody has to do, but uh, I know for my life has now centered me and grounded me a bit to say, okay, this is, uh, I'm praying the prayers of people that have gone before us. And that's why we've entered into some of the scripted things we have at Praxis. We're not bored. We're not trying to fill time. There is something powerful when the shyest person in the room has the opportunity with everybody to open their mouth and, and speak. So lots of room to grow with this, but this is great. I'm just having, honestly, it's the best having just a great time with you guys. 
and uh, just excited uh, about the series. This coming Sunday, what we're going to do, everybody, is we're talking about something I think is really important. We're going to get into the second principle, which is cultural discernment. And next week's discussion is going to... Do the kids say lit? Is that bad? Is there any bad connotation with that? Are we... Okay. Okay. So honestly, I'm so out of touch. Um, yeah, I think we'll have a lot of good conversation just out of... Um, uh, just cultural discernment because this is the one thing the church doesn't talk about cultural discernment we talk about practices doing you know all these things and you know serving in church and a building community all of those things are important but one of the things that is very important in resilient disciples is um, just looking at cultural discernment and how we uh, are in the world but not of it so it's gonna be good we hope you can join us if you just want to continue to follow along follow us on the practice podcast you can find us on any podcast catcher is that again i don't know i heard i heard that somewhere and i just like that term but i guess that's not really a term he said something in the book didn't he didn't he say it podcast i don't know he said a word that I was like, I've never heard of that before. Find us wherever podcasts are found and you can watch us on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Praxis. We love y'all. We can't wait to see you next week. Hopefully you can continue the journey with us. See you soon. Yeah. Peace. Peace. <laughs>